Welcome to the Benton Heights Presbyterian Church Podcast. We're excited you've joined us as we hear what God has to say to us through Scripture and this message from Pastor Paul. You know, last week, we began a new sermon series in the New Testament book of 1 Peter. And what we immediately discovered is that Peter, one of the primary reasons he wrote this letter was to encourage believers. So Peter reminds us from the start of his letter three things. These we looked at last week. Number one, that God has chosen us to be a part of his family. Not because we're good or deserve it, but because his mercy allows it. Number two, that God is at work in our life So that means that there is no situation that's hopeless. And number three, God has already secured our future. What an important beginning for believers who feel discouraged, who are going through a lot. And what an understatement to say that first century Christians were going through tough times. They were persecuted, tortured, imprisoned, fed to lions. Now, we'll never have it that bad. But we all go through tough times, and sometimes we feel as if we're not going through a crisis. We don't know how to act. Many times that crisis, that tough time, can come as a result of something that we've done, our choices, but maybe it's something that we've had no control over. So certainly we can understand when the Bible comes in and says, we live in the midst of an evil and perverse generation. We live in a time that opposes God's will. We live in a time that is anti-God. So how is it that we can live God's way in this evil and perverse generation? Well, first, we have to recognize that sin is all around us and in us. That's why I'm not surprised by sin. I'm bothered by some of our sins, but I'm not surprised. The Bible tells us in 1 John, we belong to God But the evil one controls the world, meaning we shouldn't be surprised by sin. Should we be saddened? Yes. Should we want the world to change? I do. But we shouldn't be surprised. We belong to God, but the evil one controls this world. You see, the world system lies in the lap of the evil one who nurtures it and drives its way of thinking. And that evil is designed to appeal to us, to make life comfortable and easy and to tempt us to go another way, basically to seduce us away from God's way. So all of this is background for what I want you to hear and see and experience as we dig in deeper to what Peter challenges Christians with at the end of his first chapter and into the beginning of chapter 2. Listen to the word of the Lord. This is first. Peter chapter 1, beginning at verse 13 to chapter 2, verse 3. Therefore, with minds that are alert and fully sober, set your hope on the grace to be brought to you when Jesus Christ is revealed at His coming. As obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance. But just as He who called you is holy, so be holy In all you do, for it is written, Be holy because I am holy. Since you call on a father who judges each person's work impartially, live out your time as foreigners here in reverent fear. For you know that it was not with perishable things, such as silver or gold, that you were redeemed from the empty way of life handed down to you from your ancestors, but you were redeemed 
with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect. He was chosen before the creation of the world, but was revealed in these last times for your sake. Through him you believe in God, who raised him from the dead and glorified him, and so your faith and hope are in God. Now that you have purified yourselves by obeying the truth, so that you have sincere love for each other, love one another deeply from the heart. For you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable, through the living and enduring Word of God. For, and now Peter quotes from Isaiah 40, all people are like grass, and all their glory is like the flowers of the field. The grass withers, the flowers fall, but the word of the Lord endures forever. And this is the word that was preached to you. Therefore, rid yourselves of all malice and all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and slander of every kind. Like newborn babies, crave pure spiritual milk so that by it, you may grow up in your salvation now that you have tasted that the Lord is good. Peter bases his challenge for us to be different, first of all, on the fact that you have been made new. The message translation has verse 14 saying this, don't lazily slip back into your old grooves of evil, doing just what you like doing. You didn't know any better then. You do now. He says, don't go back to your old lifestyle. You know better. You have been made new. If you have a relationship with Jesus Christ, you have been made new. Then Peter takes it a step further. In verse 15, he uses the word holy. Being made new is one thing, but then Peter adds, not only are we being made new, but we now live in God's way of holiness. Now, there's a scary word, holiness. When we think of holy, we think of someone who is so filled with God that they're practically untouchable, almost perfect. But the call to be holy is not about perfection. If the goal of our faith were perfection, then we would need less and less of God as we move closer to perfection. That's never the goal because that's never the case. Holiness has a much simpler definition. To be holy is to be set apart. To be set apart from the ways of the world, to be set apart from our fleshly desires, to be set apart from the ways of darkness. I didn't say this was easy. I just said there was a simpler definition of what it means to be holy. So what Peter is saying is that you've been made new, so act like it. Be set apart. Let me ask you to reflect on this question. Can you live life without God? Now, the Sunday school answer, the religious answer is no. But think about it. Do you think there's ever been people alive on this earth who've never acknowledged God? I ask a similar question to couples I'm about to marry. Can a couple be married and have a marriage that lasts who never bring God into that marriage? I'm sure it happens all the time. But that, that marriage will never be what it's intended to be. It will never be as meaningful and, and, and fulfilled unless God is in it. And you see, the same is true for our life in general. Let me share an illustration. Imagine you're trying to run a race in the mud. 
And with each step, more and more mud gets caked on. Your feet feel like lead. You try to shake it off, but mud doesn't shake off very easily. Your legs are getting more sore. You look at your watch and you're thinking, man, I've been running a while now. I should be a lot further along. You find a patch of grass on the side of the course and you wipe off your feet the best you can, but what's going to happen? You're back on the mud course. All the while, you've noticed another path intersecting with the path that you're on at various places, and you've noticed that that path has a more solid foundation, but there are so many ups and downs and seeming detours that you can't see where that path truly leads. At least with a mud course, you're on level ground. Now, with that illustration, imagine God saying to you, you have two paths. You can run in the dirt, or you can run on the path I've given you. You may have chosen the dirt because, well, it seemed easier. It was more level, so you can see where you're going, and you reason it's got to be more comfortable than that firm foundation. But the effects of not running God's way, not living God's way, has a lot more consequences. It's more painful. You don't get as far. Your relationships are not as good. So God says, you've been made new. Now be set apart from the dirt. Choose to be different. Now I'll be the first to admit this is tough. Living God's way and following God's plan is not easy. So we have this tendency to slip back into our old way of life. What's it going to take to choose to be different? Peter says you have to prepare for this different life. Verse 13, he began with, you have to have minds that are alert and fully sober. Think of this along two opposing views. A person who is disciplined versus a person that we'll call a, a drifter. A drifter is a person who loafs it, who coasts, who tries to do just enough with their faith to get by. Being disciplined is tough. Being a drifter, well, that's a whole lot easier. But being a drifter means there's a temptation to the old habits. Maybe you've heard the saying that opportunity only knocks once, but temptation seems to lean on the doorbell. We're always tempted to go back to the old way of life, to the world's standards of living. And Peter knows this. And so he says, prepare yourself. And now you're asking why. Why should I be so diligent, so disciplined in my faith and my relationship with God? Peter gives us the answer in verses 18 and 19. Let me summarize it for you. It's because God paid a price for you. That's why you and I should be so diligent, so disciplined, because God has paid a price for you. You know what happens when there's flooding on roadways? You've seen it. We've had it here in our community this week. You're driving along, but there comes a point where on a roadway you can't go any further. You have to stop. You can't drive your car to the other side, and you surely can't jump it. You can't roller skate over it. You can't skateboard to the other side. The same is true of our relationship with God. You might be doing a fairly good job of direction in your life. 
You may be going in the right direction, at least not that far off base. But there will always come a point of separation, an uncrossable divide, and you just can't get to the other side, not by yourself. And you see, the problem is God is on that other side of the divide. And we've got to be reconciled to Him. So here's the big question. How is that accomplished? It's not up to you to close the gap. But thank God, you don't have to. God did it. He took the initiative. He sent His Son to build a bridge. And Jesus built a bridge from one side to the other. And it was built out of His cross That cross where Jesus died in our place gave you the access to a relationship with the Father. You've been made new. Now prepare for a different life because God paid a price. It wasn't with silver or gold, Peter reminds us. It was with the blood of Jesus Christ. That's your motivation. If you take nothing else away from this message today, remember this. You're able to live a new life because God bought you with a price. His shed blood so that you might have communion with God forever. Now for the next few moments, let me share three ways that we are to be different as Peter describes them in our passage. Number one, be different by having discipline with your love. Verse 22 again. Now that you have purified yourselves by obeying the truth, so that you have sincere love for each other, love one another deeply from the heart. Peter's saying, there's no better test than love. You've been made new. You've been set apart. Here's the action step. Love one another. I would have preferred him to start off with something a lot easier, but he goes for the jugular. Do you love other people deeply? Is love a filter that your actions go through? Do you hold other people in high regard? Do you consider others' needs before your own? Peter's adamant. Love is what sets us apart. Love is what puts holiness on display. Love is the litmus test for Christians. I wonder where Peter got that idea. From Jesus, of course. You know, the one he hung around for three years, the one that changed his life. Jesus preached this same message. One of the last times that Jesus is with his disciples, this is recorded in John's gospel, he says, others will know that you're my followers by the love you have for one another. Love one another and people will know you're my followers. You want to be different? You want to be set apart? You want to be holy? It starts with love. So the first way to be different is to have discipline with your love. The second way to be different is to have discipline with your mind. Peter begins our passage again with, have minds that are alert and fully sober. By the end of our passage, he's saying, replace all your old evil ways of thinking. Replace them how? That same verse 22, by being obedient to the truth, to God's truth. So what is it that Peter is saying in all of this? He's saying, this is not the time to take it easy, to to kick back. 
I think he, at this point, he kind of bears down on his pen and he says, roll up your sleeves, put your mind in gear. You're a new creation. And as a new creation, prepare for action. Get ready. Don't lazily slip back into your old ways. Prepare for action. He might as well have sent prepare, said, prepare for battle. It's like being on a sports team together. What happens if a team goes into a game unprepared? They're going to get wiped out. So Peter says, be prepared. Get ready. Roll up your sleeves. Get your mind in gear. So have discipline with your love. Have discipline with your mind. And number three, have discipline with your desire for God's word. The last two verses that I read, this is from chapter 2, verses 2 and 3. Like newborn babies, crave pure spiritual milk, so that by it you may grow up in your salvation now that you have tasted that the Lord is good. I love that image. That you're always thirsty for spiritual milk. He's not saying that you're spiritual babies, but to have a thirst for God's word. You know, some of us have been a believer for a long time. We've been exposed to God's Word many times, but we're not thirsty anymore. You want to know how to live a different life, how to be set apart, how to be holy? Then consult His guidebook. Consult the Bible. It's His love letter. For some of you, this time together, this 20-minute message may be the only milk you ever get. Peter instructs us to go after so much more. So he says, discipline your desire for God's Word. Why? Because God's Word is more than a good book. It's more than a bestseller. It is, in fact, God's love letter accessible to all of us. Did you know there was a time when the Bible was literally chained to the pulpit? Did you know there was a time that the Bible was only available in Latin, so only the priests could have access to it? It's now rightly accessible to all of us. Now, these action steps that I've spoken of are not easy action steps, having discipline with your love, discipline with your mind, discipline with your desire for God's Word. These are not easy. But then I started to think about Peter. The man who wrote these words, obviously inspired by God, think with me a moment about Peter, especially in the early days of his walk with Christ. Peter, when we first meet him, is a pretty loudmouth, clumsy fisherman until Jesus came into his life and he called him. He called him to be a disciple, to walk with him, to learn from him. And at one point he said, I'm going to call you Petros, rock. And from that moment on, you watch Peter's life. He becomes so instrumental, even a leader of the early church, and this becomes evident as you read the book of Acts. But he was also very real and very human. Case in point, he denied knowing Jesus three times. That gives me great hope. Here's what I mean by that. So not only is Peter inspired by God when he wrote the words that we're studying, but Peter is also a fellow journeyman, a fellow struggler. 
Someone who has walked as I walked. Someone who knew what it was like to live in the tension between an old way and, and a new way. And that gives me hope. And he's saying, you've been born anew, made new. So begin to act like it. He's saying you live by a different set of rules now, a whole new game. When you live God's way, you're on his team now. And when you're on God's team, when you're living a different life, when you're set apart, pursuing holiness, the enemy's game just doesn't affect you as much anymore. Here's why. Because as followers of Jesus Christ, the rules have been changed. As the Apostle Paul would say, if anyone is in Christ, they are a new creation. The old is gone. The new has come. And that indeed is good news. We hope you found this message to be encouraging. We'd love for you to join us on Sunday mornings. Find us on Facebook and Instagram and at bhprez.org for more information.